Welcome all to another edition of Football for All, hosted by yours truly, Zach Kyleman. Well, it has been quite some time since I have touched on anything XFL, which is kind of surprising that you think about it, considering that the XFL has already been underway for its first full week and had a lot of hype leading up to its first full week as well. Let me tell you, by the way, the first week of the XFL, in my personal opinion, was fantastic. This is what I expected out of this league when Vince McMahon was announcing his intentions to remake the league and to reimagine the game to lead it into the future. And I do believe that is what Vince and Oliver Luck achieved on week one. A lot of fans were really excited for this iteration of football And there's a lot of stuff here that also people felt the NFL could and should use in their league. When you have fans saying that there's new rules that the NFL should be using, generally that is a good sign because that does mean that people are interested. They feel this is a better version or better way of doing the sport, which is more likely than not a chance for people to stick around and watch. Now, do I think that the week... Two numbers are going to be the same as week one, which I will get to those. I am not sure. I don't think they will. Uh, If you look at the history, in recent history at least, of spring leagues, we take a look at the Alliance of American Football, there was a drop-off. And that is what a lot of people are waiting for right now coming into week two games starting on Saturday, is how big of a drop-off will this league have? Are they going to retain most of their people? Are there going to be more viewership? Are there going to be less viewership? This is a big question for the league because a lot of what's banking on the XFL to succeed deals with the TV side of this. TV deals are some of the big money, big profitable things that leagues make. And the XFL is banking on trying to win fans over and networks so that they, when they renegotiate a viewership contract, they're making some dollars off of that. And so far, so good for week one. I mean, outperform the Alliance, and it's a better product than the Alliance. So thoughts are the drop-off either shouldn't be as big, or maybe we'll be surprised, and maybe we'll have just as much viewership. Who knows? Week two is coming, though, and we're going to be really excited to see how this goes. Now, for this episode, I really wanted to touch on more of just the reaction to the league. Um, I'll give a few t- tidbits on some of the games from week one, but I felt like I need to go a different direction than I had been with some podcasts on the NFL, just because that I feel it's very repetitive. A lot of people do this on their podcasts, and I don't want to step on toes. So... I mainly wanted to take this as a reactionary piece, as well as what I expect for week two to go into the next several weeks as well past that for the XFL. So without further ado, I'm going to get into some news articles. I'm going to give you some thoughts that were mostly on the devil's advocate side of this league, because trust me, there's a lot of positive vibes. But remember, when we're looking at a product or looking at something in general that is an opinionated subject matter, which your opinion of the XFL or thoughts of the game is opinions. They are not fact. Um, You have to look at both sides if you ask me. So without further ado, I'm going to give you a few articles that I was very intrigued to read and curious about my response towards. So let's get into it. So looking at some articles that really intrigued me when it looks at the other end of the XFL uh, were two in particular, one by the Washington Post and one by NBC Sports. Now, Caveat with NBC Sports, they don't have the any real XFL coverage like Fox or ABC do, but honestly, any sports organization can write about what they feel. Um, also keep in mind, the NBC Sports accounts 
rarely, if ever, mentioned the XFL in tweets or Facebook posts, so they were one of the few that really were just kind of sitting back and waiting and see on this. CBS Sports did tweet some about this, and they've been making power rankings and such about teams, but they already went down that road last year with the Alliance, so they're more trying to see how this league turns out, and they already know what it feels like to manage and deal with a spring football league of this caliber. Same goes with NBC. They had the original XFL run, but they really have nothing in stake in this current day of age. But before we get to the NBC article, I just wanted to touch on this, uh, what is written as a quote-unquote humor article by the Washington Post um, by a man by the name of Norman Chad. Now, it is humorous as how he writes it, but he does bring up points as to asking the questions of why should we care? And this is something when it comes to people that detract the league, that this is a common question. Why should we care about this league? There are no NFL superstars in it. There are former NFL players or coaches, but beyond the fact that it's just more football, why should we care is the big thing. And I've said this in other podcasts before, um, whether it's the XFL or about spring football or the arena football league, when it was a thing is you should care because if you care about the sport of football, you want to have leagues like this that help advance it. Trust me, the Alliance of American Football as a financial entity was a mess. It was a garbage fire. When you look at all of the behind-the-scenes stories to the Alliance, it was never meant to make it through a year. And if it did, it would be a miracle Hail Mary, and Tom Dundon would have been the savior of all saviors, and he would have had to back the league in the most immense way possible. And of course he didn't because he realized too, when he got in, Oh my gosh, this is a dumpster fire, but why should we care? Well, we should care because football needs to advance. Think about it. Safety issues in the NFL and the sport are becoming more paramount every year. They're becoming a bigger issue every year. Young viewership and young attendance or participation in the games is shrinking year by year mainly because parents see how the game is violent, how it affects the mind, and people need to realize that this is driving people away. This is going to hurt the sport in a long run. So you have to have the next generation wanting to play this game, but you need to find a way to do it where people are not injuring or risking their lives or worrying about how does this affect me 20 to 30 years after I'm done with this sport. I mean, personally... I only played till high school, but I still sometimes wonder if high school football affected me in certain ways. You know, I'm not going to lie. I sometimes feel I'm not great with memory, and that is one thing I worry about often is that. But that's just high school, and I don't, you may laugh at me for saying that, but there have been high school players or kids that have played that have passed on that they have shown that there can be massive amounts of CTE at the high school level. So this is scary. And people want to know, can we do football in the correct way to where we can still watch it and not feel guilty for it? And I think that there are ways the XFL is showing this. Do you know why people love the kickoff rule so much? It's because the kickoffs are safer. Kickoffs are some of, if not the most dangerous play on a football field. If you have a returner return the ball, you're going to have another 20 men running either at each other or away from each other at full speed trying to take down a return man. 
that's dangerous. The XFL is doing it to where it's very much limiting the impacts. There is a five-yard gap. You are essentially starting where you're just having one long offensive versus defensive front line taking on a returner, and the only the kick returner or kick kick man is the safety in all of this. It's genius. It's safe. It helps to improve the game. Those three, those three aspects where it's an improvement on the game. It's a safety measure and it enhances the game. You know, that is really what this league is trying to do. So why should we care? We should care because it's, well, as the XFL says, for the love of football, because we don't want to see the sport disappear. We want to see the sport thrive. It's America's greatest sport, if you ask me. No offense, baseball, but let's be frank. People come and watch football in America. There are statistics beyond belief proving America has football, and I mean American football, as its sport. It is the sport of our country. It is the sport that we as Americans care for, and we want to make sure that it still is preserved. It is what I think is the American pastime, not baseball. Football is the American pastime, and you want to make sure that there is a space for it where we can watch it and we don't feel guilty about it. And I think the XFL is trying to do that as well as entertain and make the game more available for the next generation. Um, but that's the main reason why. I mean, yeah, players you don't know are in this league. You know, that's going to happen. We understand that. These are all players that were close but couldn't make a starting spot on a roster or complete on a roster. That's why they're here. Why should we also watch two? It's an underdog story. Each one of these teams is an underdog story in the making because all of them are underdogs. All of them are trying to get back and get a chance at getting to the NFL or getting to the top of their sport and being in the spotlight one more time. Because they're talented, they just want to prove that they still have that talent. Think about Rashad Ross. Rashad Ross has been all over the place. He, in my opinion, is one of my favorite receivers that I watched in the Alliance, and he's proving that he still has the talent in the XFL. I think that he's one of those players that is saying, hey, look, this is my final chance. I am 30 years old. I want to make it back to the NFL one more th- one more time. Think of Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones has been a backup all of his life. Ever since he left Ohio State on top as a national champion, he's been a backup. He's never had a chance to prove that he can be a starter. He's never had a chance to prove to teams that he can be on that. Preseason's great and all, but it's only a small amount of a sample. The XFL provides 10 games. If you are a starter for all 10 games, that is great content for NFL scouts to check out these players. And I'm not joking, NFL scouts have even said, this is an excellent system. We need something like this. They've been saying this since the week one games have commenced. They like it. They want it. And I think that that's another example of why you should care for this league. These are underdog stories, all these people. They all have humanized traits to them. Why should we give up on these people? Let's learn about who they are. And that's something I think that's forgotten with football. We see these players as just entertainment entities in the NFL. The XFL, with these sideline interviews and getting to talk to them right after the plays, it's humanizing. It helps to bring them to the spotlight. We don't just see them as pawns on a field. This isn't just a video game. This is real life. You have to remember that. 
And I think the XFL is doing a great job of remembering that these are people. These are people with families. These are people with kids. These are people with wives or even husbands. You know, these are people that live every day just like us. The difference is they play football and they play it on the big screen. That's why you should care. That's why you should be invested in something like this. And that's why I think this is a storyline worth telling and worth watching. Plus, I mean, if you love football, why not just keep watching it? You know, do you really need a break? I mean, remember, statistics show that a majority of Americans do want more football. This isn't a joke. Like people have stated they want more football. So if that a reason enough for you to watch the XFL, then go watch more football. What are you doing listening to me? Well, actually, no, keep listening to me. Please do not <laughs> go away from listening to me. I beg you, even though I am slow at responses and putting out podcasts. But go watch football. The XFL is a great product. It's a fantastic product, is all I can say. The only other article I had to mention was one by NBC Sports. Uh, actually, NBC Sports Philadelphia, funny enough. Uh, mainly... It's an article just kind of talking about the NFL in relation to the XFL. The title is, The XFL is the NFL's dystopian future if an expanded schedule becomes reality. Very interesting. Um, A lot of stuff to take from this. First off, if you aren't aware, the NFL is trying to expand the schedule to make it to where players have 17 games uh, for the next collective bargaining agreement. Nothing is set in stone yet, but... The schedule will be increased. Personally, I think we're fine with where we're at right now. 16 is a comfortable number, um, which is kind of funny how I'm arguing that, even though I say more football. But here's the thing. You have plenty of games, okay? You have 17 weeks of this. There's there's one thing when it is to watch all 16, but when you have to wait through 17 weeks, which it sounds like they might add another bye week, so it'd be 18 weeks to then get to the playoffs to then get to the championship. I think it's fine right now. Sometimes you have to say, don't mess with a good thing. In the case of the NFL, that's what I'm saying. The XFL is fine on its own, and I again, I think there's a place for it. That's why I say it should be there. But the NFL, don't mess with a with fine thing. Just let it be. But what I found interesting in this article is they, they bring up the XFL. And... The writer of this article by the name of uh, Andrew Culp, he talks about how he, you know, he teaches on the games over the weekend and checked them out. And, you know, he just uh, was looking at the games and just thought, well, the same thing of A, who cares, just like uh, Norman Chad on the Washington Post article. But something else he thought was, is this what the NFL is going to turn into because of, well, the kickoffs? I mean, think about it again, safety issues. The NFL, they're plan for kickoffs is to essentially slowly fade them out of existence, which I don't like because I love the excitement of special teams. And also as another note, I grew up watching Devin Hester and Robbie gold on the Chicago bears. Devin Hester is the greatest return man in NFL history. And you are neutering a spot that might never be able to produce someone like that ever again. It's probably not likely, which is why I argue, by the way, that Devin Hester is a Hall of Famer. But you look at what the NFL is doing with this rule and how they're pushing it away. They're trying to say, well, safety has been a problem with the NFL over the last several years. We've been exposed, which they have. They've been exposed for covering up the health risks of football. 
and we're deciding let's just get rid of the play all in general, but we won't do it automatically. We're not going to be like the Alliance where we just rip the play out of the sight of the fan. We're going to just slowly grade it out of the league. I disagree completely. And again, that that I feel is what the XFL is trying to do. They're showing the way. The way to say, hey, you want football still. You want it to be the same. Let's not kill this play. Let's not make this play disappear because it is part of the game. Kick returns are some of the most exciting plays in football. And if you were to get rid of it, it just makes the sport a little more boring. And that was something I had such a hard time with the Alliance last year adjusting to because it was one of the best plays in the game. How can you just start with a touchback and just get into offense? I mean, yeah, offensive plays are what you watch mainly for football, but getting rid of special teams mostly? Like getting rid of the kick return? I didn't agree with that at all. I I just never was able to understand that. And, well, sure enough, again, the XFL's trying to make this a viable option. Uh, Something else, too, I mentioned this earlier that this this, uh, article by... NBC Sports Philadelphia brings up uh, is really just the t- is really about you know kids in general. Less kids are signing up for youth football leagues, or they're coming in later to avoid the potential for brain injuries, which then drives down or what the argument of the article is. It'll drive down talent levels to where it'll be XFL levels. An interesting take. You know, it's hard to say because a lot of some of the great NFL players of the hundred years in the NFL are those that work tirelessly throughout their childhood to make it here. And if you have parents that are worrying about said potential for injury and such, of course they're going to hold them back. This is becoming a more popular thing in America because, well, many of the CTE studies are coming out, and again, the NFL showed it was lying about this the entire time. And the XFL, I don't know if that is the future of football. I think with certain safety measures like the kickoff, that's the future of football. But I don't know about the talent level. I mean, that's that's hard to debate because even then, what is the argument here that the XFL is going to show that the NFL is not a competent product? No, that doesn't make any sense. And beyond beyond the safety issues that I brought up, that's that's something I had a hard time with with this article. It's is just going, what is why is the XFL a dystopian future? You know, why why are safety measures a dystopian future? Why is it that you know, because kids start later, that's a dystopian NFL. I I guess talent's lower, maybe the games are not as good, but even then, I would rather have the sport of football be present and accountable than disappear. And that's why I say this article's a little off, but it's something that you should take in mind because it's another article that is kind of a devil's advocate for the league. And again, I stress, when you look at stuff like this, you need to look at both sides. Some writers have negative opinions on this on the XFL. Some, and the majority of them, funny enough, are positive because, well, the XFL did its job, and they did it right. They did it right. All right, some quick hits from week one are going to get underway right now. So, first things first, DC hosted Seattle. Um... Cardinal Jones proved that he is definitely the most rounded quarterback that is in the league right now. Still waiting on Landry Jones, of course, but he proved that he was the most well-rounded. I loved the trick play to Kareem Lee 
getting that double reverse throw. That is something that is a highlight XFL play off the bat, something that the league needed for its premiere, and that was perfect. That is a play that definitely screams, oh my goodness, I am watching some good football. Um, another player that really stands out, I got to give props to Austin Proel. Oh my goodness. Uh, talk about a player that is a standout for the Seattle Dragons. And by the way, Seattle really kept this game close and made it a game late. It's just that unfortunate timing or miscues are what led to their demise. I mean, you look at that one pass to Austin Prowell that was a pick six in going the opposite direction. If Prowell stays up, it's probably a completed slant route. Otherwise, um, well, this is the result we got. And it was still a great game overall. 31-19 contest, high scoring for the offensive side, a stadium that was mainly packed pretty well. I mean, this is a, a 20,000-seat stadium that DC United uses and that the defenders are now using. They packed it in just a little over 17,000 fans at that stadium. And watching it on TV, it seemed electric. People were really into this. You had people, you had people saying that... Dan Snyder needs to sell the Redskins. I I was cracking up when I saw the hashtag HTTD. <laughs> oh, it was it was gorgeous. I I think that the DC crowd was really pumped for this, and it's starting to show. Uh, if you look on social media, at least on Twitter and Instagram, their feeds have been blowing up lately. They actually on Twitter passed the Dallas Renegades, which I didn't think was possible because Dallas really was proving to be the second most popular for a while, but now they're like neck and neck with each other with like just over 60K followers apiece. I love following stats on social media, by the way. That's something I like to do often. Uh, But that first game was exactly what the XFL needed. The second game on the Saturday slate, I would also argue, was something that the XFL needed. It needed to show that it had players that could potentially turn into stars or could be people that you could get behind. We got that in Cardell Jones, Rashad Ross, Karee Lee. We got that... With Kenneth Farrow, Jaquan Gardner, Brandon Silvers, Austin Prowell. Meanwhile, over on the next game on Fox, which would have been the LA Wildcats taking on the Houston Roughnecks, we got stars too in that game. In particular, the biggest one of the night was easily PJ Walker. That man is a stud for a mobile quarterback in this league. I mean, Think about this. He had 275 yards passing and four touchdowns, one pick late in the game that really was just an errant throw. But at that point, they were up 20 points and they had sealed the deal late in the fourth quarter. But P.J. Walker is a bona fide star. I mean, even if the guy doesn't have pressure, as long as he starts to find a groove, he seems to find a way to deliver when needed. And Houston, I think we underrated as an offense going in to week one. I don't think we underrate them again. No, I don't think so. I think that... This is a team that's going to be around for a potential championship push now, especially, especially in a very crowded, very crowded Western division uh, when you look at things. Uh, But yeah, um, it's going to be a blast to watch them play this coming uh, week and week two, especially when they're going to be taking on the Battle Hawks. I'll get to their game next because before that, We had the Guardians hosting the Tampa Bay Vipers. The Vipers to Vegas were considered a favorite to make it to the XFL championship game. And boy, oh boy, is this not looking good for them. Uh, Aaron Murray looked god-awful in this game and did go out with with a foot injury, apparently. Also was benched at some point in the game. So... 
basically, if you're looking at this, um, we may have Quentin Flowers starting next week, which another mobile quarterback, another Florida product. He is from he was playing for USF at the time, uh, and he looked he looked like he had a boot, gave him a boost on the offensive end. So definitely something to consider with Mark Tressman's group going into week two. Um, same goes for same can be said at times for the Guardians. The Guardians were more of a defensive team. Uh, their offense was just doing enough, if you ask me. Matt McGloin is definitely one of the more premier quarterbacks in this league. Um, if we're looking at the performances over the past weekend, I think his, in my opinion, finished as a number three or four. Uh, at least he seemed like he did enough to win and that he has enough talent to get this Guardians team over the hump. Uh, was really really impressed with the Guardians on the defensive side of the ball. They just swarmed. They seemed like they were very energetic, and Aaron Murray just almost had no time to breathe or didn't know where to go at times. Uh, so this team is a potential threat as well. Uh, definitely want to keep an eye out on them as we progress forward. And then the final game of the slate was my Battlehawks. They visited the Dallas Renegades in the newly renovated Globe Life Park. Presentation was decent there. Um... The broadcast in general was one of my favorite. Was one of my favorites only because of Pat McAfee. Uh, funny enough, McAfee this week has been saying that he's been limited on how much he can talk because they're trying to do like turn-based talking. But really, let the guy loose. The guy is your premier, your premier talent on these broadcasts. Let the man talk. I mean, he had some of the best lines from the day. Whether it was him interviewing Troy Aikman or <laughs> getting very upset over arguably one of the best punts I've ever seen going into the end zone just because, well, someone thought that it was a live ball and just hearing his voice quiver when he does, when he does that response to it was amazing. It was, it was another highlight moment that you're like, this is definitely making the league a game changer. And it was one of the highlights to saying like on field interviewers and their tactics are definitely something that you want to see more of. Um, so, but overall, um, these games are great. I will say one caveat. I felt that the St. Louis and Dallas game was slow. Um, it was a defensive slugfest. People did seem to enjoy it either way. Uh, Jordan Ta'amu was overall a excellent mobile quarterback, and I put him as probably the third best QB of the weekend. Um, if I'm ranking the QB QBs for the top four, it would easily go... And this is tough for me to say. Uh, and I'm going to do this be a consistency. It would, it would go Cardell Jones with a close second going to P.J. Walker, followed up then by Jordan Tamu, and then Matt McGloin. But all four games were what you wanted for the XFL. And they're definitely a great lead-in for people to say, I am watching week two. Because I know I am. <laughs> I'm easily watching week two, let's be fair. I am definitely not going to be... Uh, avoiding these games. It's going to be awesome. Especially, especially since it sounds like Seattle, for some reason, they're, they're pushing upwards 25,000 fans, uh, which by the way, every stadium for this week slates games for week one, they average just over 17,000 a game. Take it to what you will. The XFL is trying to do this where they're selling lower bowls first and then seeing if the demand will allow them to sell more tickets. Because you don't want to overpromise ticketed seats. You want to be able to say, okay, 
we can sell this and then we can make great press hype by opening more sections, which people will go, wow, this league's doing pretty good, which is what exactly what they're doing. Seattle had to open up several more sections, which apparently have sold out at this point, and they're pushing upwards 25K fans for the home opener. Not bad. Not bad at all, actually. Um, actually, that'll be really good for them. And it also sounds like St. Louis for the home opener, which I'll be attending, by the way, is pushing 28,000. In fact, most of their games have 25-plus thousand fans that have already bought tickets unreal unreal response to those markets i'm so excited to see how those games go now before we go i want to give you my final picks for week two uh just giving you what my thoughts are on these and how close the games will be or if they will be anywhere close if at all uh so starting out week two both saturday games uh the 2 o'clock game is going to be the New York Guardians taking on the D.C. Defenders in Washington, D.C. again. Um, overall, the best and more well-rounded team in this is definitely the Defenders. The offensive side and defensive side seem to gel super well against Seattle. I think New York's weakness is on offense, but if their defense comes to play like they did against Tampa, this game will be much closer than people expect. I still give the Defenders a win with a score of I'm going to say 30 to 23. Meanwhile, week two at five o'clock, we're going to have the Vipers visiting CenturyLink Field to take on the Seattle Dragons. This is going to be a popping game. Sounds like a massive crowd by XFL standards will be out there. I do think that Quentin Flowers will start for the Vi- for the Vipers. It doesn't seem like Aaron Murray is progressing enough to be healthy for this game. Uh, it also sounds like Brandon Silvers is going to play. So, with that in mind, do I think that the Vipers get their first win? Uh, to be determined, I right now have more faith in Brandon Silvers than Quentin Flowers. Uh, Quentin Flowers is more mobile, but... I feel that Brandon Silver's had a more consistent game against the defenders. It's just that some miscues led to an unfortunate loss in D.C. With that being said, I'm going to give the Seattle Dragons their first victory to the score of 25-18 to over the Vipers. Week 2 on Sunday, we're going to have the, two, the 3 o'clock game, by the way. Sorry about that. Uh, these are all Eastern times, by the way. In the 3 o'clock game, we're going to have the Dallas Renegades traveling to the home opener for the Los Angeles Wildcats. Now, this highly depends on if Landry Jones starts. It's sounding like that he is going to play this week. So with that in mind, I am definitely going to be putting more stake on the Renegades as a victor in this case. I don't see the Wildcats winning, mainly because Josh Johnson is not going to be playing this week. It sounds like he's not going to be back yet. He's practicing more, it sounds like, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be healthy for this game. With that in mind, I think with a Landry Jones that is healthy on this roster to help push the ball more than Philip Nelson, you're going to see this game turn into, I would say, a 31-15 to contest. Uh, the Wildcats will do what they did against Houston, where I think they'll make it close, but eventually Jones will get the rust knocked off of him and he'll start lighting up the scoreboard. And to round up the week two games, we're going to have the St. Louis Battlehawks taking on the Houston Roughnecks for their second straight home game at TDECU Stadium. Uh, this one, I will say, I think he, I think St. Louis got lucky against Dallas without Landry Jones. Philip Nelson did not seem like a quarterback that could really push the field. Though I will say that St. Louis's defense did show some signs of a truly formidable squad. However... Houston is definitely the more well-rounded team. They have the better weapons on offense, if you ask me. Defensively, they swarm the ball very well, as we watched against L.A. 
And with that in mind, I think this could be closer, but it's not going to be the likes of the DC versus New York game. I think this is going to end up as a 35 to 24 contest going in the favor of the Houston Roughnecks. And without that, that is the first XFL podcast of the year for the regular season from Football for All. Thank you very much for joining me for this. I do appreciate it. Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, i got plenty of ways to do that. Follow me, look up ZK Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow me on those platforms. I especially am active on Twitter. You want to keep up with me, I do a lot of updates on Twitter in particular. Uh, I'm also on YouTube. You can find most of these episodes on YouTube. You can find them anywhere where podcasts are found pretty much. And, you know, stick around for next time. We are going to do a week two episode. I guarantee it. Thank you guys for being patient with this. Uh, I will say I just get burnt out sometimes. I do love podcasting, uh, but I do realize that I'm trying to this year become more of a quality podcaster rather than a content podcaster, if that makes any sense. Until next time for week two, thanks for listening. Catch me on Twitter and stay tuned.